0: Chapter fifteen. Psalms chapter fifteen. I asked Brother Eric to sing that. I shall not be moved, song That goes uh, with the message tonight. We're gonna to go through Psalms chapter fifteen. We're gonna read the whole chapter. And then I I want us to just I want us to go through this verse by verse, and there's a lot of good stuff on here, and just several things. I just I don't know, I just feel led to just rant and rave about, it, to tell you the truth. And um this world that we live in—it's just—it's getting more and more wicked, and uh, the Lord really needs to hurry up and come get us out of here. And I'm—I'm I'm getting more and more ready to go all the time. And you know, we were in the restaurant yesterday. You know, we're in there. We had—we had to ask them to turn the TV station. They, it's a restaurant. There's people in there. There's kids in there. And what do you think's on TV? The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead on regular TV in the middle of the afternoon. I thought T V like that only came on at late night time, you know, and there's gore and blood and everywhere and I'm just like I had to go ask them twice, hey can you guys please and they finally changed the change the channel, but it's good night. You know, we're we're so I don't know, A D D or whatever it is, but we we've gotta have television everywhere we go. You know, even in a restaurant, they got to have televisions playing. I mean, before long, there's going to be television screens on billboards, you know, so we can watch movies as we're kind of passing by. But, you know, the, the, I, they probably haven't done that yet because it would cause too many wrecks. But um, I've heard that in subways and some places, they actually have there's like um, these big pictures on walls that's like frame by frame. And so when you're driving by, you're actually watching it looks like a video. And uh, I don't know if they did that because that's cool or if that's because even people in a subway have to have something to watch. And you know, you see these commercials too all the time for you know, if you buy this package deal, you can get the D V D, the Blu ray, and the thing where you can watch it on all your devices. And it shows kids watching movies at the park, watching movies, you know, at the beach or wherever they So you can't even play outside without watching TV anymore. And it's like, Lord, you need to get us out of here. (laughs) I'm ready, I'm ready to get out of this world. It's really getting out of control, but, uh, and you know, there's more and more pressure to be like the world today. And we've got to remain unmovable. We cannot be moved with the world. Christians, unfortunately, are moving right along with the world. We're not as bad as the world. But it's like where it's kind of like we've got a rope, you know, that they've got a rope tied to us and they're always pulling us along with them. You know, we're not we're not where they are, but as they get worse, we get a little worse too. And we we've got to stop. I mean, I've already think we've crossed the line and gone too far, and we need to start going back the other direction. And I think Psalms 15, there's some really good stuff in here that I want us to look at. And let's start reading in verse 1. It says, "...Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord." He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Notice that there, I believe that I know this is Old Testament, but it still applies today. It says, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. If we will stick to these principles, there's there's ten things I see in here that if we will do, then the Bible says, You'll never be moved. And most people today, unfortunately, this kind of message would fall on deaf ears because they want to move with the world. They're trying to figure out, you know, how we can kind of go along to get along. And that's not it. But people that are honest and sincere and that want to be close to God, that want to be right with God, that want to keep in the middle of the road, which is not a compromise, keeping in the middle of the road, I believe, is staying with the scriptures. And most people will call you right wing if you keep in the middle of the road. But, if we want to stay close to God, I believe, like the Bible says, if we do these things, we'll not be moved. And so let's look at these things. Notice the first thing it mentions. He that walketh uprightly. Look at Psalms chapter 84. And verse 11. Psalm 84, verse 11. It says, "...for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory." No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. You Notice, I love that verse. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. You know, what most, you know why most Christians today are wanting to go along with the world? It's because they've been deceived by the devil into thinking that the world has something to offer them. They've been deceived into thinking that being right with God and staying close to God means that you're going to miss out on some things. And you know, the truth is, you're going to miss out on some things, but you know what? They're bad things. And the Bible says, no good thing will he withhold. It didn't say no thing, but it says, no good thing will he withhold. And I know there's a lot of things that we think are good. Most of us probably think a winning lottery ticket is a good thing. But no, it's not necessarily a good thing. The Bible says no good thing will will He withhold from them who walk uprightly. So what does it mean to walk uprightly? Well, the definition of uprightly means entire or also as an in integrity and truth without blemish, complete, full, perfect, sincerely, sound without spot, undefiled, and whole. So I've given this illustration before. Somebody who walks uprightly, Okay, right now, I'm walking uprightly. Okay. and then Now, what happens if I'm, I'm kind of walking like this? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm sneaking, aren't I? All right. I remember one time, one of the funniest things, we were at a subway, and it was at a, it was at a truck stop, subway and a truck stop, and right next to it, there's McDonald's. And at that McDonald's, guess who was at McDonald's? Ronald McDonald was over there. And at the time, I don't remember how old Tommy was, but he was scared of everything at that age, and he was deathly afraid of clowns. And I remember, I looked over and I saw Ronald McDonald. I thought, Oh, Tom, he's going to have a heart attack. And I didn't say anything. I just watched him, and he's, <laughs> and he's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of walking walking uprightly, had nothing to hide, just <laughs> walking uprightly. And all of a sudden, he just looks, he he like looks over and sees him, and there was kind of a. You know, a wall thing there, you know, a half wall thing, and he saw him running just he just ducked down. I mean, just as soon as he saw him, he just dropped. And he, he was, did he see me? <laughs> he was scared to death. He was about to start bawling right there. You remember that, Tommy? Yeah, yeah he was like ten years old. No, he was, he was young. He was, he, I don't, he was younger than that. But I mean, scared him to death. And you know, he's he's walking around. He's he's trying to hide. Okay, because you know, he was he didn't want the clown. <laughs> to see him. And you know many people today when they they're going through life, that's how they walk. They're always in the shadows. Always trying to hide basically. That's why, you know, many people, that when they're doing a lot of the crimes, when do they do it? They do it in the dark of night. Why? They don't want people to see what they're doing. They do it in the darkness. They they do it trying to hide. And somebody that walks uprightly they have nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't matter who's walking or watching, because they're following the Lord. They're doing what's right. And God says, He that walketh uprightly, it's the first thing that He meant that He mentions. If you are doing the right thing, walking uprightly, walking according to the principles of God, you'll be fine, you're not going to be moved. But many people today, even when they're doing the right thing, they will try to do it kinda of, they'll try to hide. Maybe they're, you know, they'll they'll dress right, but they're scared of who might see them. Don't be afraid of who's going to see you. Don't be afraid of somebody seeing you. You know seeing you come to church. That, man, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. You shouldn't have to try to hide the fact that you're a Christian. If you're doing the right thing, walk uprightly, be proud. If you have to hide, if you let what people think cause you to... Punch over and and cause you to try to have to sneak around. You'll probably eventually be moved. And we can't let what people think affect us in that way. Walk uprightly. It says, "He that walketh uprightly." And in order to walk uprightly, I think these go hand in hand. It says, "He that worketh righteousness." If if you're doing the right thing, you have nothing to be ashamed of. If you're if you're following the word of God, there's no reason. To be ashamed. There's nothing. There's nothing to fear. Just like you know, we've all been there before. Maybe you're driving down the road, and you're speeding, and you see that police officer. It scares you a little bit, doesn't it? Because you're breaking the law. But boy, when you look and okay, I'm, I'm, I'm following the law. I'm doing the right thing. You kind of feel some relief, don't you? Why? Because you're working righteousness. Righteousness. That's be, just anything that we do that's according to the law. When you're doing right, you're working righteousness, and that's something and we don't have to be ashamed of that. We don't have to fear. I don't have, you know, I'm glad I don't have to take off running whenever I see a police officer. I'm glad I don't have to go into hiding and that I, I truly am a free man. You know, people who as I've heard recently about a couple of prison escape attempts. Truth is, somebody who escapes from prison, are they really free? No, because they have to be in constant hiding, don't they? And they can't just go wherever they want. I could go visit a police station if I wanted to, and I'll be able to leave when I want to. And, but if I'm not working righteousness, then that could change real quick. And so, uh, but it, those who are, those are doing right, real simple. It says, those who, uh, he that speaketh the truth in his heart. He that speaketh the truth in his heart. Somebody who not, not only tells the truth, but in their heart they're telling the truth. In other words, you know we can lie to ourselves. Bible talks about deceiving ourselves. Sometimes, uh, or maybe, you know, we'll say one thing, but in our heart we mean something else. Because our heart's wrong. Because our heart's not right. The one who speaks the truth in his heart, somebody who's not lying that lying's going to get you in trouble. Lying usually has an effect of causing you to have to lie again, doesn't it? You've seen that before with people, they told a lie, and then they had to tell another lie to cover for that lie, and it gets them in trouble. And many people too, if they're on trial for something, if they've been accused of something, you know, if you're innocent especially, the last thing you want to do is tell any kind of lie. Because boy, when you tell a lie, they zero in on that. And they make you out to be a liar and they use that against you. And then, and then you're in big trouble. Your witness isn't that good anymore. And the Bible says, you know, he that speaketh the truth in his heart. So it's not even about just what you say out loud. But it's what you're saying in your heart. You know, it's what uh, you—it's what you really think. It's what you really believe. Is your—is your belief system right? Is your thinking right? Or do you maybe you know? There's people out there today. I believe that they know the right things to say in church. They know the answers to the question, and they'll say them with their mouth. They will speak the truth with their mouth, but in their heart, they don't really believe it. There's people that will say, "I believe there's a God," but in their heart, they're not so sure. You know, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I believe there's people out there that say there is no God with their mouth, but in their heart, they know different. But then there might be people who say there's a God, but in their heart they're thinking something totally different. And you've got to have both of those lining up. It's one thing just to speak the truth with your mouth, but it's another, speak the truth in his heart. What do you really think about God? What do you really think about you know how, what God has done for you and what do you really think about other people? You can say, "Oh yeah, I love I love everybody. I think everybody's great," but in your heart, you're saying something else. You're thinking something different. That is that's not uh that's going to get you in trouble. You're going to be somebody that can be moved. And then this one here too. Obviously, you know, this has been a problem throughout the ages. Verse 3 says, "He that backbiteth not with his tongue." Okay? Now this one, yeah, you, know, you could preach a whole message on that. You know, what's another good term for backbiting that we often use? What's that? Gossip. gossip. Alright, that's that's the one we normally use. Backbiting, gossip, pretty much the same thing. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. Now let me ask you a question. What would okay, let's just suppose that alright, we're talking about being unmovable, okay? So let's just suppose tonight that Brother Lonnie He gets moved. He gets swayed by the world. He leaves church. He gets out of the house of God, and then I just I get up and I'm just I'm running my mouth about Brother Lonnie behind his back. I'm saying you know what a dirty rat, you know what a fool, what an idiot. I'm just I'm I'm backbiting him. I'm gossiping about him. I'm saying all these terrible things about him, and I'm criticizing him for being moved. Now wouldn't you think that if I Am I, the one that's out there down on everybody for moving, you know. And when I say moving, I'm not talking about moving away, but moving spiritually. Wouldn't you wouldn't you think that that's probably one of the last people that would move themselves? That's what we would think, wouldn't you? But the truth is, you know, the people who run their mouth the most about certain subjects are often the ones that have the biggest problem in that area. It it's true. I've known it even with some preachers before, the ones that run their mouth the most about certain subjects and make the biggest deal and just go crazy about stuff, a lot of times are the ones struggling the most in that area. And listen, you know, I'm 100% against homosexuality and all that, but some preachers, they preach about it so much to a congregation full of normal people, and I just wonder sometimes, why do they talk about this all the time? And I almost wonder sometimes, Are they struggling with this? And it's almost like something they do to make them feel better and to cover up for themselves. But the truth is, the people that run their mouth the most, a lot of times, are the next ones to do that very thing. I've seen it happen. When I've seen some recent examples where people, when they left the church, and people that were running their mouth, backbiting that person, ended up being the next ones leaving. Why is that? I don't understand it exactly except for the fact that gossips are weak people. They're weak people and they're wicked people. They're not going to have God's blessing on their life. The Holy Spirit's not going to use them. Uh, he's not, they're obviously, He's only going to speak to them in a rebuking way, trying to get them to get right. And if they're not going to get it right, yes, they're going to be very movable people if they're backbiters. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to stay doing the right thing, don't be the one running your mouth. Don't, the one who's running their mouth is probably the next one that's going to fall. The next one that's going to fail. Just keep your mouth shut. Do not backbite with your tongue. And not only that, but uh, notice the next thing it says. Um, verse 3, "...he that backbite not with his tongue, nor doeth evil unto his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor." So somebody who doesn't do evil to their neighbor. Isn't gossiping a terrible thing to do to somebody? I know doing evil to your neighbor can involve a lot of things, but based on what this thing is right in between, I think what this is talking about here is basically the evil to your neighbor is gossiping about them. Putting them down. Same bad things. Whether they're true or false, we shouldn't do it. I mean, that is something you should not get caught up in. And let me tell you, it is a very common thing. It's not as bad... It, where I'm working now in the factory, the factories are sometimes terrible places for gossip. I mean, just terrible. And, and, and where I'm at now, most of the people are working too hard. You just don't have time to stand around talking about people. But when I was in Spring Valley, it was terrible there. I mean, just the way stories would fly was just ridiculous. And I used to joke that we have, when I worked in shipping... You know, we had these conveyors that came down into a door and each door was his own store and they went all the way around the building. And I used to joke that if you went and you told somebody some kind of news to the one side of you, it only took like five minutes before it went all the way around the building and somebody was going to come over and tell you about it again. And it wasn't much of an exaggeration because people just would get bored there and they would gossip like crazy it was ridiculous and i remember when i quit just when i was when i knew i was going to quit just for fun I, I was going to be gone for a week and i told one person i told him i said when i get back i said i may be putting in my notice i said, i'm so I'm, I'm not 100% sure but i'm, I'm pretty sure um, the church is going to be taking me on full time and i'm going to be leaving i said but don't tell anybody because it's not 100% but at the same time, I knew when I told him this, that it was probably going to get out. And I, I, I remember I was gone for a week. I came back and I'm going to work and people are like, what are you doing here? Working? I thought you quit. <laughs> it's like, no, not yet. But it, was, it was weird because I, I, hadn't, I hadn't even told the manager yet. And then I remember I went, and, I went to go talk to the manager in the office and he's like, you're here? I thought you quit. I was like, I said, I would t- I said, well, I said, actually, I am going to quit, but I said, I wouldn't just quit and leave without telling you guys. And, you know, I, I gave him like a month's notice. I remember it was funny. It and the whole building knew about it. The whole building. And then what was funny is I went and, and the guy who I told, the only one that I told, I remember I went to him and I was going to go ask about it. And he's just like, what are you doing here? He's, he's like, I thought you quit. And I was just like, no. He's like, somebody told me you quit. <laughs> and, and what happened? He told some, and the story, you know, built to that I already quit, and it got to him again, and he didn't. You know, it, it was it was hilarious. But that I'm telling you, that is humans, and, you know, and and sad to say, this is mostly guys we're talking about here too. You know, we couldn't even blame the women in that situation. It was mostly guys there. It was terrible, but. I mean, but it, let me tell you something. It, it's a wicked thing to do. I mean, I, fortunately, that wasn't anything that hurt me. You know, I, it didn't get me in any trouble. You know, it made me look bad for about a week because everybody thought I'd just up and quit, including my managers, without even telling them. But, uh, you know, they, they learned, thankfully. But, you know, that is an evil thing to do to somebody. And, you know, and evil, alright, when you use the word evil, that's actually talking about something harmful that you do to somebody else. And backbiting. Is a horrible thing. And the Bible says one who does not do that. That's one that will not be moved. And then notice the next thing that it says in that same verse. So he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. That term, taking up a reproach, that's basically talking about listening to the gossip. Did you know if gossips have to have a listening ear, don't they? They have they have to have that. You know, the uh, Bible says where no tail bearer is, the strife ceaseth. And I, was read, <clears throat> I was reading one thing and it talked about tail bearers and tail hearers. And they're both bad. If you're a tail hearer, you are the one that motivates the tail bearer. You are why the tail bearer gets excited. Because... They've got to tell somebody. And did you know that, you know, if a person, like, if, if you're somebody who, I mean, you have determined and you have decided that you will not be a tailbearer. I mean, you have determined in your heart. Did you know if, if you're somebody like that, the last thing you want is dirt on somebody? Because isn't it in our human nature to want to tell somebody? And so if we're not able to tell anybody, we don't want to know, do we? And if we're really sincere about this, the last thing we're going to want is bad news on somebody because we don't want the temptation to be that tailbearer. And you know what should happen? It should cause us that when somebody comes to try to bear a tail, we shut them down. And tailbearers are excited because they want to tell somebody. It makes them feel good. makes them feel important. But if they don't have anybody to tell, then they have no desire to even get the news, do they? And the truth is, gossips are terrible, They're horrible people. We can say whatever bad things you want about them, and it may all be true. But without a hearer, or the hearer hear is just as bad because they complete the gossip. Nobody has ever went and gossiped to their reflection. Just you can't tell yourself. You get no satisfaction from that, do you? You have to tell somebody else. You have, and you have to tell somebody else who doesn't know, don't you? If you go to tell somebody, hey, did you hear about so and so? I sure did. Pfft. Oh, you stole stole my thunder. Now I got to go find somebody else to tell. And I'm telling you right now, it, it is just—it's wicked to gossip, and it's wicked to listen to it, or it's, it's evil. It is harmful to that person. And boy, you, you got to be careful. It's like. I'm planning on, probably in two weeks, um, I'm, I'm planning on preaching a message uh, along the lines of voting. All right? Talk about voting and stuff. I've been studying up on these candidates. And let me tell you something. What's on our ballot is an absolute crying shame. I mean, the things that are even on our ballot made me want to throw up when I saw it. And then when I looked up who our candidates are, Republican and Democrat, I wanted to throw up. It's a joke and it's a shame and we ought to be embarrassed that these people are all we have to choose from. I mean, it's a crying shame. But one thing that I... Because I, I didn't really know who's voting, vote. I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention. And Illinois, whoever we had to vote for, it usually is a joke anyway. But I thought, no, nah, I need to do my homework. And whenever I study a candidate, I never listen to attack ads. 'cause they twist everything, they lie. I go I like to go to their own website and see what they say about themselves. And I get plenty of dirt from their what they say about themselves. And I did I went I went on uh I went on, you know, Pat Quinn. I mean I, I've known enough about him. I mean the guy's a joke and it's a shame. But then I went on Bruce Rouner's website. And I was horrified at what Bruce Rounder said about himself. I went on uh, Jim Oberweiss who's running against Dick Durbin. I would love to vote Dick Durbin out of office. I would love it. But I went on Jim Overwise's own website and I was sickened by what he said about himself. And it wasn't much, by the way. He was mostly talking about Dick Durbin and his website. And and I don't even listen to that. You know why? Because politicians, they backbite, they lie, and it's evil. I like to listen to what the person says about themselves. I just I don't even like hearing those attack ads. I don't trust them. I don't I, I don't I don't believe any, hardly anything they say. And we shouldn't listen to what people bad things that people are saying about other people. And I'm telling you, every time an attack ad somebody puts an attack ad out there, it ought to destroy their chances of ever getting elected. I wish they would put an ad and just talk about themselves on there, but they don't. You know, Jim Overwise, you know, what what's your stand on this? Well, Dick Durbin, but No. What's your stand? It's it's on his own website. He ought to be ashamed of himself. He never wins any elections. He always wins primaries and gets beat down in elections and then lets some other liberal wacko democrat win. And I don't know how he keeps winning these primaries. It's it's amazing, but he's probably gonna get his can kicked in this election. Because He's running against a horrible person, but he's obviously an idiot too. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm sickened. I'm horrified by it. And it, the backbiting that goes on there is wicked. And you know what? The same thing even goes on in churches. Sometimes preachers, they like to bash other preachers and bash other, uh, maybe one Bible college just bashes the other Bible college and just backbiting and it's wicked. And Bible says, once you don't do those things, Will never be moved, you know. When it comes to uh, you know Bible colleges and churches and things, you know, I want to I want to send my kids to one that I don't have to worry is going to move and it's going to change. That I am going to send them there one day and they're going to be Baptist, and by the time they get out, they're going to be some non denominational, charismatic, whatever. I, I don't want to have to worry about that. I want them to be the same thing when they go in is when they leave. But some of these places they're so busy competing with other places and bashing other places, they're changing all the time. And that's a shame. It shouldn't be going on. But then the next thing it says, it um, says, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. Contemned. That word, contemn, it means, uh, where's my definition of it? So I get it right, uh, means to disesteem, despise, or disdain, or to think to scorn. So somebody, a vile person, they, they uh, contemn them. Not condemn, but contemn. In other words, they despise them. Okay? Now I'm not talking about being hateful here to people. But you know, there are some vile, vile people out there that the Bible says that we should disesteem. And I got to thinking about, okay, who should we disesteem? And I got to thinking about the very people who are the most highly esteemed in America. I'm thinking about Hollywood actors. Look at the way these people are elevated today. Look at the way people go crazy over them when they see them in public. I mean, they they go nuts just to get to see these people and to get their autograph. And these very people, that even Christian people sometimes almost idolize, they literally, they, they do some of the most lewd, disgusting acts in front of cameras and make millions of dollars doing it. I mean, they say the most vile things, they act in the most vile ways, and people will go nuts over them. And you know what the sad thing is? Is when their careers start tanking, they all get jobs on Christian movies. And then Christians talk about how wonderful they are. I just—I was in the Christian bookstore yesterday, and I saw uh, for VeggieTales, they were featuring, and it had a lady on the... A, a secular country music singer that's done all kinds of wicked stuff on TV. But she sings some, I guess she's done some Christian albums too. And so now she's this wonderful Christian doing a voice on VeggieTales. And Christians, oh, this is wonderful. We ought to, to con- contemn somebody like that. We should disesteem somebody like that. We don't prop them up. But boy, people do that same thing with politicians. They just go nuts over them. Some of these people is wicked, lewd, vile people, and we elevate them. People go absolutely crazy over them. I, I mean, I've been joking about this, but it's, it's true. You know, one of the most revered Christians today, Willie Robertson. <laughs> the you know, long-haired hippie Willie Robertson, because they pray in Jesus' name at the end of all the shows, Christians go nuts over them. If we had Willie Robertson here next week, I wouldn't I wouldn't allow somebody with that appearance to stand behind this pulpit and do anything. But if we had him here, oh, people go crazy. Why? Cuz he's famous. Cuz he's got a TV show. You know, and we just we idolize him. You know, and I'm not, you know, yeah, he's better than 99% of the people that you see on TV. But He's not somebody that we should be esteeming. He's not somebody we should be elevating. Not at all. And the Bible, I, I, you know, the Bible says, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. And the world today, they idolize... I mean, some of the most disgusting people that are out there, the rock musicians, pop stars. You think about perverts like Michael Jackson that people just went crazy over. I mean, just sick people so i mean these musicians they're the worst ones some of the singers you know you got your miley cyruss out there and i mean they just are disgusting and people go crazy over them and let me tell you if you get caught up in stuff like that and if you start esteeming you know people like that very highly and idolizing those people you're probably going to change it's pro- you probably will be moved. It will affect you. It will affect your behavior. It will affect your looks. Now, I get really disturbed when you some of these Hollywood weirdos start doing something goofy with their hair and then even Christians want to start doing the same thing. Start dressing like them. Doing their hair like them. Acting like them. It's horrible, but it's going to happen if we esteem these people. And the Bible says that our eyes should contemn a vile person. And I think it's safe to say most of this Hollywood crowd, musician crowd, are vile people. They are very vile people. And we've got to stop elevating them. We can't get caught up in this. Uh, We're not going to make a big deal about them. But then, another example of that is Job. uh, of Job in chapter 1, verse 1. Two times, the Bible mentioned Job as somebody that feared God and he was somebody that eschewed evil, which means he fled from it, he shunned it, he avoided it. Job, he hated evil. He, I, like, I like that word. He shunned it. He kept it away from him. I mean, Job was the kind of person if, you know, I don't know who the A-listers are now, you know, if Brad Pitt Who's going to the pit? By the way, I stole that from another preacher. But (laughs) if Brad Pitt showed up at his doorstep, he would he would hide from him. He wouldn't make a big deal out of somebody like that. He wouldn't get all excited. He would. You would either say, "Stay away from me," or you can stay there for as long as you can handle listening to me preach to you. You'd have treated him like I treat the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> he'll, he'll preach to them for as long as they can take it, but uh, that's what he would have done. Why? He shunned that kind of thing. He didn't respect people like that. He hated evil. And that's the way that, that's the way that we ought to be. Two times God, God mentioned that when he talked to Satan. Hast thou considered my servant Job? And God mentioned how he has choose evil. He shuns it. He hates it. He flees from evil. And Job was somebody I think we could say was somebody who was unmovable. When you look at all that he went through, and yet he would not curse God. And it was Job who said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Many people, we determine whether or not we're going to follow the Word of God based on the circumstances that are going on in our life. And a lot of times, too, Christians, we make the mistake, maybe if we see somebody suffering in their life, maybe they're trying to do the right thing and something bad starts happening in their life, oh wow, God must be trying to get a hold of them. No, maybe God's putting them to the test like He did with Job. And Job was following the Lord in everything. It didn't look like it after he lost everything in one day. It didn't look like God was blessing Job and God was pleased with Job when He was covered from head to toe with boils. But remember what Job said, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. In other words, even if God kills me, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to quit doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep trusting Him. Though He slayed me, yet will I trust Him? Job could not be moved, and I believe one of the reasons for that is that hatred that He had of evil, that shunning of evil that He had in His life. And then, verse, um, our next one in Psalms chapter 15. I turned away from there. So it says, um, in whose eyes vile persons contempt, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He honoreth them that fear the Lord. You know who you ought to make a big deal about? Are people that fear the Lord. If you if there's if you know somebody that's just a good, godly Christian, maybe it's just some sweet old lady. That nobody pays a bit of attention to her, but boy, that lady, she she Reads her Bible, she prays she 's faithful to church. I think about uh, Mrs. Holum who goes to my dad 's church. She just lost her husband uh, not real long ago, and just one of the sweetest, most godly ladies i 've ever known. She sends me texts all the time, just encouraging me on Sundays, telling me that she 's praying for me. I mean just a good godly lady, her and her husband faithful just for years and years, way longer than i 've been alive and People like that's who we ought to make a big deal about. I'm telling you right now, I mean, we ought to be more excited about somebody like her than one of these actresses that are just wicked and vile but just happen to be good looking and that's really all they have going for them. That, we ought to, we ought to esteem people like that. We ought to honor people like that. You know, maybe, maybe a preacher that's been faithful to God for 50, 60 years. You know, some of these guys have been pastoring the same church for 50 years. I know people like that just for years and years been doing the right thing. Not big not big names. Most people, they wouldn't know them. But they've been faithfully serving God because they fear the Lord. Godly people. They've not moved over the years. Still preaching the same thing. Doing the same thing. Those are the people that we ought to make a big deal about. Those are the people that we ought to maybe put a poster up if you're gonna put a poster up with somebody other than some football player that beats his wife, you know, just that's who we ought to make a big deal about. You know, athletes are another group too. I mean, most of them just, you know, a bunch of gangbangers and just, I mean, and people make a huge deal about them because they can dunk a basketball. Man, if I was as tall as some of those guys, good, I could probably dunk a basketball. But we make a huge deal about them and just. They're garbage. We need to honor them that fear the Lord. Those are the ones you ought to make a big deal about, especially in front of your kids. You want, you want to get your kids looking at godly people, people that are faithful to God, maybe other church members, just people that you know that have been good influence, that have been serving the Lord. Get your children's eyes on people like that, not, not the Hollywood crowd, not the sports crowd. Uh, you know, so I'm not, and I'm not talking about being judgmental and hating everybody. But we ought to disesteem vile people. We should not make a big deal about that. And uh, unfortunately, we even amongst Christians, the very thing that's going on in the world is going on amongst Christian people. But Honor them that fear the Lord. And the next thing it says, He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. We live in a world today where many people, they can't keep their word. You can't you can't trust them. And the Bible says it mentions he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. In other words, sometimes if you make a promise to somebody and you want to keep it, even if it hurts you. Well, I'm sorry. I, I know I told you I can do this, but you know I'm I'm tired. Hey, you promised them. Do it even if you're tired. Oh, well, you know if well I promised I was gonna you know I was gonna give them. I know I told them. You know, I borrowed this money from them. I know I told them I would pay it back by this time. But if I don't, if I pay them back, I can't go buy that new TV that I wanted. Hey, you swear to your own hurt. So that means you might not have any TV to watch for a while. Because you've got to pay them back first. That's the right thing to do. You made the promise. And you do without. Don't let them do without. You do without. You made the promise. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. Many people, you know what they want to do? They want to change the deal. On you. You know, a lot of credit card companies do that if you're not careful. They'll change due dates and things when they're due and change interest rates. And uh, They're just as crooked as a lot of people. Uh, and, but we, we're not supposed to do that. We don't go changing the terms and conditions on people. If we tell somebody we're going to do something, we ought to do it. And swear, throw I've been there before where maybe I told somebody I was going to do something and maybe I forgot about Something I had going on, and I was tired. Didn't feel like it, but I already told him, yes. I, and then, you know what? You gotta do it. That's what a good man does. That's what the man who's not gonna be moved does. He swears to his own hurt. I'm gonna have to do without. I'm not gonna be able to buy that, you know, maybe that new, uh, clothes, you know, those new clothes that I wanted to buy. I might not be able to, I might have to miss a meal. But I made a promise. And I'm going to keep it, he that sweareth his own hurt and changeth not and then uh, eyes verse five, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. Uh, go to Exodus chapter 22 verse 21. Now it's in, in the Bible we see that there is a just usury or interest, and there's an unjust. But one thing that we do see in the Bible. Uh, well, well, let's read Exodus chapter 22, verse 21. Through, or 22, yeah, 22, verse 21. It says, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as an usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. We see here in this passage, they were allowed to usury and interest, same thing, maybe charge some interest to a stranger, but it wasn't supposed to be oppressive. It wasn't supposed to be something to hurt them, but when it was their brother, they weren't supposed to lend on usury to them. They were supposed to lend and be a help to them. Those people were supposed to pay it back, but they weren't supposed to get rich off off of usury. They weren't supposed to be a usurer to those people, and they especially, even a stranger that was in their land. It talked about with like widows and with the fatherless. Do not afflict them. Do not take advantage of them in a difficult situation. And you know what? There's many people out there today that do that very thing. They take advantage of people when they're in difficult times. They get them in bad financial trouble. They get them in financial bondage. Uh, you know, A lot of banks do that. A lot of these loan places do that kind of thing. And the Bible says, I mean, there's a curse on people that do that. And, you know, I... I tell you what, I hope you're not lending money and borrow you know, lending money out to people and charging them crazy interest amounts and afflicting them. that is a horrible thing to do. And I know most individuals don't do that today. The banks, they get to do that for you. you know, J.P. Morgan Chase and all those places they get, they get to do that. you know the quick cash loans place. I mean they are horrible to people. They are horrible. That is wicked stuff. And basically, what it's talking about, I think how it can apply to us, You know, I don't think most of us in here are lenders today, but at the same time, it's just taking advantage of people when they're at a weak point. We don't do do that. We're supposed to be merciful. You never take advantage of somebody when they're in a tough spot, where they're at a low point. We ought to be merciful. We ought to lend a helping hand. And the Bible says, these things are all mentioned. I know they're all real simple. But the Bible says... He that doeth these things shall never be moved. And I believe this. I I think this is a good passage of scripture to memorize. It's just five verses. Five verses. And if we would practice these things, if we would do them, the Bible says we'll never be moved. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? What does that mean exactly? Is it talking about heaven, or is it talking about maybe just being close to God, being in the will of God? I believe that's what it's talking about. That. uh, just being close to God. Being being near the presence of God. That's where we don't want to get moved from. We want to be close to God. We want to be in the center of His will. And the Bible here shows us these things that will move us from there. And we've got to understand that and recognize it because many of these things in here are things that um, Christian people are doing. You know, I don't know a whole lot about you know the lending thing, but you know, this looking up to vile people and dishonoring God-fearing people—that's that's very common. You know, not working righteous, not walking uprightly. Every one of these things you ought to put them into practice in life. We could preach a message on each one of these things, but I challenge you: mark these things in your Bible. Ask yourself. Am I doing these things? Am I not doing any of these things? What can I do to make sure I keep these in my life? Because I want to dwell on the presence of God. I want to be right smack in the center of God's will. We live in a wicked world today that anything can happen. Tragedies can happen to anybody, anywhere. There's sicknesses and things all over the place out there. I mean, any of us, we could find out tomorrow that we've got cancer or some other kind of crazy disease. But you know what? I want to, I want to know that if those things happen to me, I want it to be when I'm right center in the God's will, because if I'm there, I, I'm going to have protection. God can take care of those things for me. But if I'm if I've been moved, because God's not going to move, God doesn't move from where He's at. But if I if I'm outside there, I'm on my own, aren't I? And I don't want to face those things on my own, because it anything can happen to any of us. And therefore, we want to be in God's will. He's not going to be moved. Let's not be movable either. So with that, let's all stand together.